What it do? Welcome back to Agitator, the only freestyle storytelling podcast or tubistic juggalo weebs. Tonight we're talking about Ronin Trash. We're actually doing some live story developing. So the other night, Mr. J. David Osborne here, author of Low Down, Death Right Easy, By the Time We'll Be Here, We'll Be Friends, Dying World, War in Heaven, fucking a bunch of books that are not available anymore. What if my face looked like that? <laughs> no, I'm so glad you changed it. I'm just a, a, I'm I'm very good in uncomfortable situations. So that was my that was you witnessing how how I am when I'm not I'm not digging the vibe. I'm just like we're gonna thug this out. We're gonna ride this roller coaster, and hopefully it comes to an end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about my book a little bit because I'm in the process of writing it. I thought people would think it was cool to see live generation of things that will eventually be in the book. It'll give you a chance to learn a little bit about the book that I'm writing, inspirations for it. Um, and when I was younger, I thought that nobody wanted to hear about writers talk about writing, but I was wrong. Everybody wants to hear writers talk about writing. They love that shit. And I do too. But before we get into that, you were saying something about your sales. Can you repeat that for the listeners? Yeah. So like a thing coming up with uh, some of my out-of-print titles, I was um, thinking, you know, it's a perfect package to throw this shit together because there's years of blurbs, reviews, I mean, sales that have been made on this shit, proof that people fuck with it and everything. Um but it's e even with all the hundreds of sales per title, maybe that not thousands, but Heathenish has sold quite a bit by now. Mm -hmm. But but that's still ju that's just a fraction of like what it can still do. Like taking it to that next level is like, okay, how about tens of thousands though? Mm -hmm. I was <clears throat> doing my writing club today at school. And we had a really good session. I was helping kids kind of start their own novels. A lot of them want to start novels. So I was giving them an overview, probably some stuff we're going to go over here too. But as the session wound down and they were all chatting, they said, hey, Mr. O, do you read like Webtoons? I said, no, I don't have Webtoons. And they said, get, get the Webtoons app. So I got it. And then they said, uh, what is the fucking, it's like, it's called like undead or un, undesirable uh, or something like that. Oh, wait, is this the title of something? Yeah. Oh, I, and, thought you were, uh, I thought you were talking about how we have to say like unalived on YouTube and shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's the name of a, of a, like a web tune, like a web comic. And, uh, this this kid was like, oh yeah, it's it's probably my favorite. It was the number one trending on the app. And so I click it, and even with the kids around, I look at it and I go, holy shit. <laughs> because there's the readers of it, and then there's the views. The readers were 6.5 million, and the views were 1.1 billion. I God. don't think, I don't think any living. American writer is getting 1.1 1 .1 
billion views on their book. Now, okay, it's divided into chapters. Maybe I'm stupid, whatever. My point is, this is what people are looking at. Mm-hmm. It's this shit. And uh, yeah, it's not going to make me run out and write a, a web comic. Although, taters in the chat, if you have artistic talent, you want to collab, hit me up. Because I will do that shit for sure. But it gave me that same sense of scale that you're talking about from the 1,000 to 10,000 jump. I'm like, yo. But there's also like a million and billion jump that we Mm -hmm. could make. Oh, 100%. Because our shit absolutely is the vibe for like Zoomers and shit as we've seen in the field and selling shit like people the zoomers fuck with us heavy um also this show i think part of it is the interests we have shared interests with zoomers and anime and shit like that and then it's i don't know if it's endearing or annoying the old man shit can't tell people have been fucking with the past few episodes and i don't think we've been on too much old man shit so they're probably like oh finally yeah i think the old man shit's probably more annoying but i don't really care because i am an old man i can't help it i'm old Uh, so i i can't fucking it's like asking a fish to not swim in water but you when you become an old man listener you're gonna do the same shit like why these kids got all these fucking implants uh, in their brains implants in their brains why they put straws in their penis holes and somebody's gonna be like wow old man yelling at cloud yes <laughs> <laughs> but um i asked the kids i you know what do you like about this and <sighs> it's hard to it's kids don't oh here comes the old man shit Kids don't really have the literacy to explain what they like about these things, but it's the same story that, you know, it's a guy, it's always a guy who's down and out in some way, who gets a magical infusion of power <laughs> and then becomes the goat. Bro, the shit, it. it works on me. It, it works really, on me too. I'm, really not gonna, I'm not going to I'm not going to fucking lie. Time. I'm not going to lie about it. It works on me too. I, I mean just shit. put a new skin on it. Berserk is still the best just cuz you come up with like you know like that's still my shit even though mm-hmm. it's Dragon Ball Z but mm-hmm. medieval and gothic. Mhm. I uh I was in class today 5th hour and uh I forget how Berserk got brought up. I didn't even bring it up. But this kid goes, uh, doesn't that book have a lot of like rape in it? And then this this black kid goes like, yeah, Griffith did nothing wrong. I was oh, like, God shit. damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your class is wild. It is wild, but... I saw this dude on Instagram. I had to follow him. It's this nerdy black dude who makes a lot of, uh, speaking of views, has a fuckload of views. And every single mm-hmm. video at the end is like, so here's my new swag from the sponsor, blah, blah, blah. Because oh. he does these tight little like 15 second hilarious clips, but has to go up to a minute or whatever. So the end is just him being like, now I'll stare passionately at the camera to hit that minute. <laughs> 
<laughs> but one of them was uh it was this chick and she looked she was like uh Casca complected and everything and she was like when dudes you're into when you find out dudes you're into is also into berserk and then the next clip was her like looking exactly like Casca like cut the mm-hmm. hair and she had the mm-hmm. brand tattoo and all that mm-hmm. shit and then um it cut to him and he's like no i saw this one yeah. <laughs> wrong character and then he points at the screen as griffith and he's like i'm a berserk fan i like men he goes this is the character i'm attracted to character i'm attracted to <laughs> i was like oh bro too far too far uh, that's too that's so funny but on the subject of these kids and these web uh, so weird coincidence maybe i don't know maybe i had some kind of breakthrough where now the students just want to tell me about stuff but um this other student said to get do you have the uh web novel app and i said no so i'm getting all these recommendations and she goes oh get the web novel app and then read this one and i go and i read it also like not anywhere near close to the thousands of views that the web comic has i think it was like at it was like 20,000 or something like that, which I mean, still for writers, bro, come on, let's, Mm. let's not pretend that 20,000 views wouldn't be like, holy shit. Uh, And I started reading it and I was like, I just thought to myself, we should be doing like, what are we doing? Like we should, this is, I don't even want to say that it's ass. I mean, a 16 year old probably wrote it. Right, but there's a 16 year old out there who's fucking <laughs> this is ass. Hey, no, yeah. yeah, my uh, my 16 year old ass was writing dog booty. I mean, yeah, yeah, they don't know, they don't know. But to the credit of this 16 year old who's writing garbage ass booty, it's got every single element that you're supposed to have in a story. So they understand the way that story works. They just haven't gotten to the point where they're pros is great yet which is kind of a reverse i think from you and i we started right out the gate with just like maybe not at 16 but when we came on the scene we had our our prose is still unmatched in my opinion like nobody's nobody's written a book that has prose that matches by the time or heathenish or letting out the devils or dying world you just you're not going to convince me yeah no i straight up just feel like it's objective Mm-hmm. Like that's not things I need to tinker with. I'd more tinker with like what actually right. happens. Yeah. Plot like, do- is where we yeah. are, you know, if we are tens in our sentences, then I think that, well, let's not do that. We're tens in our sentences and we are beginner's mind fucking autistically trying to, we're like autistic people. Basically we're like rain man who we can count a bunch of toothpicks, but we don't know how to drive like, a open car. doors. Right. Yeah, or drive a car. Yeah. Um, and in this case, the car is plot pacing. And this is what makes the show interesting for people who are listening for the first time. Is Just that, so you know, this is what makes it interesting for you. Yeah. Uh, it's not all the uh, gay jokes. All, those are just a bonus. Those don't um, exist. I don't know what you're talking about. My lawyer said to... Uh, I, I never heard. <laughs> he said to cut it out. I like that whenever Simmons recommends something to you, you just call him your lawyer. That seems a little racist to me, but hey, whatever. Uh, how? Hey, 
How fuck? would you describe him? Lawyer <laughs> <laughs> American. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but what I think is making this show cool is that, you know, we are showing up with some really cool kind of off the cuff freestyle shit, but also we're also learning. We're learning too beginner's mind about this shit how does the plot work how do you and that's what we're going to talk about today with running trash like how do you how do you make a first chapter hit and how do you continue that out into the rest of the, of the book yeah i'm to the point where like i think that finally what 13 years into my writing career i'm thinking like uh reading might be a good idea for once that's where Just i'm at dude start seeing my books right work um mm-hmm. and yeah and shit like michael Crichton and maybe uh maybe some dan brown um elmore leonard's good at both that's a dude who's like writers like to copy his uh rules of style or whatever but he also knows how to i mean there you go. These are my two on deck right now. Holy so, shit, Crichton and hell yeah! It's it's the Da Vinci Code and Congo. <laughs> I bet I saw those on your table and it just stuck in my head. Yeah, it's stuck in your yeah. head. Yeah. Because yeah, nah. People who understand, I think a lot of um, it's weird how many writers have hangups about reading what they consider bad writing when it's like there's obviously something to it because it's selling a fuckload. And people really like it. And you're not going to get cooties. Like, I'm not worried that I'm going to be a mm-hmm. bad writer. If I never read good writing again, yep. I would still be the best because that's that's just how I write. I mean, it's... Well, you're, you're bringing up a really important uh, problem when it comes to talking about writing in general is that everybody has different definitions of what good and bad writing actually means when you and i talk oh, especially about good readers writing, yeah readers yeah. who aren't writers they think yeah. the good writer is somebody who entertains them makes them want to keep reading constantly yeah that does exactly what they want all the time they would say Crichton is one of the best yeah because they're like yeah, i don't want to would... put the book down mm-hmm but there's another kind of good writing, which is good prose, which is, I don't know, Nabokov and Cormac McCarthy and uh, Joan Didion. I still People stand are- by Polinick, even though I too have trouble getting into his new shit past a certain point. Mm-hmm. I just I just think he's a stunted individual mm. where he, it's like one trick pony and past a certain point you're like i don't know these are the ones i grew up with so this is what i fuck with i agree with that i do agree with that i think that polinick uh he's clearly very talented but i would say that i noticed this first when i went to go see a polinick reading with monica drake and lydia yuknovich opening for him and 
all of the audience was younger people. Now, this was probably 15 years ago. So these this weren't was Zoomers. a damned era. Huh? Damned. It was da- it was doomed. Yeah, doomed. Um, and I noticed that's when the thought finally clicked for me. I'm like, oh, you find Polinick when you're 18 years old. And mm. whatever the new shit is when you're 18, that's going to be your shit forever. So for me, it's Fight Club. Uh, Survivor, Invisible Monsters, Choke, and then around even around Haunted, I started to dip a little bit. Rant is goaded, but I didn't oh, like yeah. Snuff. Well, you know? yeah, Rant is his only... That's my exact trajectory, too. Rant is the only time he got different. He got different, exactly, because he doesn't really change up the format. He's a, he knows what... The, his writing essays are fucking great. Oh, which goes yeah. to show that like you can learn a lot of stuff from a person where I'm like, are you implementing all of these when you write or are these yeah, kind of coming to you as you're reading other people? They're the best I've ever seen written down. I would say yeah. as far as writing shit goes, it's this show, the shit we've said and haven't put on paper mm-hmm. and Paul and Nick's essays. I would agree with that. I think um, you're assessment that he just never evolves is accurate and i i really would find it hard to argue with that at all because you do you want to see take an author like james elroy right elroy moved from a very commercial noir style with blood on the moon and his earlier pulp novels into uh, like you can see the style develop it begins in Black Dahlia. It moves through the big nowhere. And then by the time you get to, uh, you get past LA Confidential, you get to White Jazz, right? And White Jazz is where he all of a sudden, like a, a, a switch gets flipped. And it is that total telegraphic, using fucking slashes in your sentences mm-hmm. to just be like, you know, brown chair, white wall, cars in the parking lot, slash, slash, slash. He goes to American Tabloid, streamlines that further by pulling it out into an epic story. Uh, Cold 6000 is the book that he says he went too far on. I disagree. I think it's perfect. That's the only Uh, Elroy I've ever read. So I actually need to uh, become more literate on Elroy. But you can see this trajectory with his career. And you can say, okay, this is early Elroy. So this is going to sound a lot like Raymond Carver. And then you get up here and it's like, okay, so this is now Black Dolly. And now it doesn't sound like Raymond Carver so much. It sounds like Elroy. You get to white jazz. It's like, okay, now this doesn't sound like fucking anybody but James Elroy. And I think that's cool. Polonick sort of burst on the scene singularly. Yeah, sounding like Polonick. Yeah. yeah. Like Fight Club just, there's nobody. He wrote Invisible Monsters first got rejected and they said it was too fucked up so he wrote fight club with the intention of making an even more fucked up book than invisible monsters and they said great we love it what else do you have and he was like invisible monsters they were like cool let's publish it so it's kind of funny that that iconic novel wouldn't exist without it's well uh, still great but you know. But they they were also kind of like fuck you still because then they offered him like a thousand bucks for Fight Club to kind of be like get the fuck out of here, and he Is was that like, true? I yeah, yeah. 
he went back with Fight Club and they were like, we'll give you a thousand dollars. And he was like, cool, I'll take it. And they were like, I bet you that gave him Shit. some good fucking back end though. A thousand dollar royalty. You're not doing that without like making sure you get a percentage of that movie cut. Oh, if he like, yeah, I mean, I don't know the details of the contract, but most of the time, even with big publishers, it's rare that they own your movie rights. So true. That's a good point. If he just Um, sold that for a grand and then got that fat movie check. Did you ever read his article about go to the set? No. And and like three paragraphs are about Brad Pitt's abs. (laughs) I didn't know he was gay when I first started reading him, but then I read that, that essay and I was like, hang on a second. Yeah. I think (laughs) I I had, there was something similar when I first found out Polinick was gay where I was like, Oh, things are making sense now. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Like the entirety of Fight Club, pretty much. Like, oh, right, 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 right. This is about dudes fucking, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But you could contrast Elroy with Polinick. And in in my opinion, there's good books and there's bad books. But stylistically, if we're looking at that flow chart as a graph of, of kind of style progression, it's right here. It's right down yeah. the middle. Like if you took a passage outside of Pygmy, right? Taking Pygmy out of it because <laughs> that was a stylistic exercise. But if you took Doomed and you took Fight Club and you completely removed them from their context and erased all signifiers that would kind of tip a reader off to whether it was Fight Club or Doomed by style, you wouldn't know which was which. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I read Damned. And was like this teenage girl because it's narrated by a teenage girl, and I'm like this. Uh, this girl sounds just like Tyler Durden, right? So um, I do think, yeah. In terms of being a writer, we want to continuously progress, and now that I've kind of found my groove with novel writing, and I've been reading a lot seeing how this kind of shit works i think it's fun i think it's fun to actually start back and adopt a little bit of humility and just be like yeah i don't know what the fuck i don't know how to do that and then find out these things right that the internet then goes and tells me like you didn't know that fucking idiot no i didn't i was too busy guitar soloing for the past 10 years yeah yeah it's the curse of being a natural like Mm -hmm. artistic wise being extremely gifted versus being like like i remember there was one time and this uh this works for an example but like i'm I'm a much better writer than i am a guitar player but this one time at a party i was drunkenly guitar soloing not knowing mm-hmm. what i was doing uh and this dude with a lot of like music theory dude came up and was like i wish i could do that Mm -hmm. i was like the fuck you mean and he was like you have no idea what you just played did you and i was like no i'm just fucking around Mm -hmm. he was like i wish i could do that Mm -hmm. because he because he knows all this math like technical Right. right you know chord progression shit and i'm like I barely know what a note is, bro. I just pick it up and do whatever. Yeah, I got to the point where I was, uh, you know, 
I don't have it in my budget, but if I did, I would be taking basic 101 courses on writing again, you know, specifically plot and pacing type shit. But I just feel like it's good to, 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 to visit that arena every once in a while and just make sure that you're still sharp with all that because otherwise you run the risk of <clears throat> there are people who we know who are similar to us and who will not hear what I'm saying and who are convinced that just eventually the world and people are going to discover their genius. What I think we we're doing here, which is very wise, is recognizing that that is not the case. That ain't never gonna happen, bro. They're not gonna meet you halfway. They're not that, even gonna meet like... you a little bit of the way. You have to write for them. And here's my caveat, right? It's the David Lynch me method. You have to write for them first, right? You have to do about 10, 20 years of writing for them. And then once you got them, once they're like, oh, new JDO book, cool. You get a little bit more language-based, a little bit less plotty. And they're like, okay, that's interesting. Is that I the like that French method? It is because uh, I'm just talking about like starting off with Dune. Okay. Right? What Eraser. Else? Well, Eraserhead. So, uh, so yeah, there is plot heavy eraser head. <laughs> well, no, no, eraser head is like is like starting the way that we started, like bursting onto the scene with like this clear, distinct voice. But then, kind of going back and doing, I mean, he was in talks to direct uh, Return of the Jedi, which would have been interesting. That would have uh, been I, cool. Yeah, I would even say Blue Velvet. Blue in terms Velvet of his is movement, pretty. Movies. It's yeah, a pretty. Could... It's weird, but it's. I think if, it was weird for the time because of uh, the fact that there was just nothing like it. But I mean, it's a it's a noir. It's a noir story. You can, yeah, you can follow it. It's a noir. Even the yeah. stylistic shit, people can go, "Oh, well, that was kind of weird." But I'm still following where this is right. going. Right. Right. So even when it gets weird, right? Even when you get to Wild at Heart, uh, which is a, a novel adaptation, and it's got all of his quirks. It's still following this kind of plot trajectory. Okay. You got like, he goes into a phase where he does like the straight story, which is just the straight story. Better, yeah. The straight story. Um, he's that doing weird like... things the whole time. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that he's like com completely, it's not the best example. But what I'm saying is that the end result of all of that is that he gets to do the return. Yeah. And I don't think the return happens, Inland Empire or the return happens, unless you have this career of not even compromising, but just like toning it down a bit. Because you know that Inland Empire and the return was in him from the start. Like he could oh, have yeah. pitched the return as his first movie. He wanted to like, follow this up is what I want to do. with Inland Empire. You could see, yeah. you could see that going from boom to boom. Like, of course. And so the reason why it might not be the best example is because of how weird those movies still are. Like Mulholland Drive's pretty fucking weird. Twin Peaks, season one and two, still pretty fucking weird. But not really. Not weird when you consider the return. 
or yeah because like erica and i watched twin peaks all three seasons <laughs> we watched, but like especially the first two seasons it's like and she was primed for it knowing like uh she hates eraserhead <laughs> but um knowing eraserhead like she knew that the, it, like kind of what she was getting into but there's something to follow with those. It's like yeah. I'm de- these characters develop and there's arcs and there's subplots and there's it's a soap opera. Like there are things happening. Mm-hmm. Or again, for new listeners who don't know the genesis of the show, a better artist is Miike Takashi Miike. I mean, literally started off just doing Bikini Cop. Bikini Cop. B movie titty movies and then uh, that's what they wanted him to and do then, and they're just regular ass yakuza gangster flicks mm-hmm. with his chaotic spice to it but still just a yep i mean shinjuku triad society it's a that's the movie. first time he gets but it's the first time he gets weird shinjuku triad society is the first time we see miike as the miike that he's about to be his first one 1995 also the year it's the first movie of his that got a theatrical release in Japan and the U.S., limited. 1996, we see Dead or Alive, right? So we're kind of... But nothing can prepare us for the stretch of time between 1999 and 2001. Three years, where he releases, I think, 12 movies. And he's got Itchy the Killer, Audition, Agitator. I mean, Everything. Like that's 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 the golden moment, but like Shinjuku Triad Society, after he put in his time, uh, doing every single job on a set that he could possibly do, gets the opportunity to direct bikini titty movies. Shinjuku Triad Society was the first time where he's like, "What if a girl shoots darts out of her pussy?" And people are like, "Yeah, we want that." He's like. Oh, you want that? Okay. And then he. <laughs> and then he oh, wait. Was goes. that that was a uh, Fudo? Which You're one right. came first? Yeah. Shin, uh, uh, Fudo is the one I'm thinking of. That's that was the breakout one. Yeah, Shinjuku Triad yeah, 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 was, yeah. was was later. Fudo is the one. Sorry, Fudo's everybody. crazier than Shinjuku yeah. Triad. <laughs> it is, but that's that's the 1995 theatrical release movie that I was thinking of at the time with the giant with the mask and uh-huh. the the metal um, mouth. I'm yep. 15. It's like, bro, mm-hmm. you are like, you're Danny Trejo looking ass is at least yep. 50. <laughs> yeah, you are not. You are 50. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I, I do think that uh, learning, I don't know. It's just yin and yang, dude. It's like, it's the, it's the crazy, wild artistic side that has to be balanced with a workmanlike craft approach to what you're doing. And if you focus on whatever element does not come naturally to you, like if you're a natural plot dude, you should try to get a little fucking weird with your language. You should. You should push yourself. Mm. But if you're like us and you're natural linguistic people, you should try to focus on nuts and bolts plot stuff. And the universe responds because it's it's like you connected the puzzle pieces together. They're like, oh, he's now a full artist. Let's give them things. I feel like uh, plot people watch way too many movies because there's so much. Yeah. Um, and in my editing and narration and shit, I come across so much of uh, looking. They look mm-hmm. and then they look 
and then they stare at each other. It's like, oh my god, bro, breaking down each individual action of what somebody's doing is like, no, 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 no. You can just say that they kicked the door open. You don't got to say that like it was made of mahogany and they drove the whatever. It's it's like, come on, dog. The readers have more imagination than your. Nobody's like that. If I was to tell you, if it, like somebody's telling you, not me, but somebody else is telling you, like, yeah, man, I pulled a kick out and like we, we rushed in. You're like, hang on a second, hold on. What color was the door? Right. Yeah. What was it made out of? It's we understand the language of storytelling, and a lot of uh, what we're trying to get down is the the story. Mm-hmm because mm-hmm. what mm. we're, we're we're used to talk good way to, of saying it. we're used to chopping it up with the bros just being like uh you know as long as we get a good punchline and everybody laughs it's like hi you know take another drink move on somebody else tells a funny story whereas like if you introduce a girl to the conversation we're trying to be girls is what i'm saying try and get more feminine with our story that think about it when you got a girl with the bros and they tell a story what always uh-huh. happens they do go, they go, wait a minute. So where was so-and-so? Yeah. Oh, we dropped him off. Well, you didn't say that. Well, I didn't think I had to. It didn't have anything to do with the punchline. Yeah, like, that's true. Females. They want, all the de- they want all the details. Women are more left-brained than men. Men are more creative and women are more like logic. I got to get shit done. It comes from, you know, being in the home versus being out hunting antelope or whatever the fuck we were doing back then right like women had to be like okay i wake up these ba- we don't even have diapers like i gotta figure out what to do with all this shit that's everywhere <laughs> i gotta like make food i gotta clean the house i gotta do like i gotta make lists and the lists have to be followed the laundry has to be washed and the fucking clay pots have to be cleaned and we're out on the field being like yo what if that deer wasn't really a deer dude imagine (laughs) (laughs) we're out there like hey that bear has two dicks (laughs) real talk (laughs) maybe man shut the fuck up there ain't no two dick bear out there i'm like you Uh, go look bro two dick bear go Go chase go chase it down go see go chase it down i'm not gonna fucking do that it's like yeah it's because you're gay like i'm not gay (laughs) (laughs) See, that's women will never understand why that's immediately funny to dudes. Because <laughs> <laughs> women don't do that. Women don't like uh they don't say something and then like their girlfriend goes like uh oh that's gay. And then they both like he he he. I'd love to see that though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Girl, you gay. Oh, <laughs> but guys immediately, and it doesn't matter who the guy is too. Like you'll, you'll catch some guys who are, you know, pretend that they're past that. And then you'll, you'll drop a bomb on them just once. Like you'll be drinking. You'll be like, you know why that is? It's because you're gay. And they'll be like, bro, don't, don't say, don't say that shit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. um but yeah so i'm working on this book it's called running trash um 
I've been doing a lot of research into how bestsellers start their book. So I am kind of focusing on the beginning because I think it's important to get the voice down, uh, get the plot right, make sure that people actually care about what's happening because mm -hmm. I don't want to write 100,000 words and have nobody read it. If I do a little like, you know, Dying World 300 or I'm sorry, 30,000 word book or whatever, and it doesn't sell great, I'm like, okay, all right, that's fine. It's got time. I'll let it cook. But if I make a big boy book and people don't read it, I'm going to be really upset with myself. So I've been doing the requisite uh, research into like what's actually good, how plot works, how you keep pages turning, how you, um, you know, just keep people engaged. So that's that's really my goal with this book. And I really think it's, I'm not going to go out and say that I'm overthinking it, but when I hit on the book with like, like Rios read it and you read it and Grant read it. And it's funny because for, for readers, uh, this is a world where uh, demons exist and the, and demons protect old stuff. Right. So you, you open with this group of tusk hunters there are people in our world in Siberia who dig up mammoth tusks and sell them to Chinese people so that they can do their, they can carve them and do Chinese shit to it, I guess. Uh, but, <laughs> but so they're tusk diggers, but as soon as they get a tusk out of the, the snow, like a demon pops up to try to like keep you from taking it. And that demon part, when the demon comes out, Grant sent me a text. He's like, yo, when the demons came out, I was hyped. And then Rio sent me a text like, oh, when the demons came out, I was really interested. And I was like, ah, right. It's that easy and that difficult because it's not like I yeah. came to that. But I'm, like I was I did like three iterations of this beginning where I'm trying to get backstory and jump into the plot and shit like that. And it wasn't really hitting like. The reactions weren't really like the reactions were kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's good. It's good. And then I was like, and then a demon comes out and everybody was like, hey, now, now we have a book. Yeah, no, I also like I also started just with language being my only love with writing because I wanted to be a rapper. Mm -hmm. But everybody I knew was rapping or making beats or whatever. And I was like, nah. Because I don't like that amount of competition. I'm going to be a writer. Right. Because in my head, I'm the only writer I know. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everybody, everybody's rapping and shit. So I, I write books. But it was still just a language thing. It was just like, a, how do I take whatever? I walk over to the corner store and I see a weird vagrant couple. One of them's got vitiligo and carries a knife. And the other one's like riding in a wheelchair even though i saw him walking the other day and he's got a confederate flag draped across his lap mm -hmm. and it's like i can just write about that and there's no story to it but the way i write it slaps it's bars mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
but what if a demon popped out because I stole his wheelchair? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like when you look at these uh, web comics and web novels that these people uh, all like, it's, it's <clears throat> man, it's all the same thing. A demon comes out. That's what the story is. These characters are going along. Uh, the protagonist has worldly problems. Oh, my rent is due. Fuck. Or uh, oh, girls don't like me. Or um, my parents are mad at me. Or whatever. It doesn't matter. End of the day, fucking demon comes out. Yeah. And then they get powers and they fight the demon. And then you follow them from there. Even That's how if all this shit opens. Even if what you really resonate with is like, so I'm watching uh, Tengoku Damakio. Um, I'm not trying to be pretentious. I know in English it's heavenly delusion, but the only way, mm -hmm. only way I find how to watch it is by typing it in Japanese, which is weird because I'm watching it in English actually, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. whatever. Um, it uh, Some of my favorite shit in it is just the very little moments of like dialogue or the weird ways that they just develop shit like uh one character asks at one point oh shit what time is it and the dude he asks looks at this little girl who's hustling watches she has watches all up and down her arms and he mm -hmm. grabs her arms and he's like which one of these is accurate and she's like uh i think this one and he's like it's 2 30 and i was like this is amazing yeah but yeah, this is good an anime that has like man eaters these monsters that come down they're introduced in episode one of mm -hmm. these monsters that are like weird cosmic lovecraftian type shape-shifting uh mm -hmm. man eaters um and it's like i don't i don't know that i'd be hooked enough to appreciate the watch girl without all the monster shit even right. though if you ask right. me what's your favorite part of the show i'd bring up 10 different instances before i ever got to yeah. like oh there's these monsters and shit that they fight mm -hmm. yeah so if you had characters who were monster fighters and then they came to that gas station with the dude who has vitiligo and a knife and the dude in the wheelchair who's not really in a wheelchair and he's got a confederate flag draped over it and that's just like a bit in another like your character just got done cutting the head off of a boar demon from princess mononoke it would slap super hard because that's yeah. an objectively cooler place to be coming from than i came from my house where i was being sad about not being able to pay rent yeah see what yeah. i mean i was um, stressed out and doing drugs and then i saw this shit at the and then i saw this weird <laughs> shit yeah mm -hmm. so i think that um Basically, the plot of Run and Trash, as I have it right now, which, by the way, it started off as our serialized novels, which gave me a lot of direction and I think worked as a good initial draft of what I'm trying to do. It basically, it's Lone Wolf and Cub, right? So mm. you have... Oh, that's uh, also patreon.com slash agitator if y'all want to. That yeah. still exists. It, it still exists can, if you want to read. see the very beginning of this shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just sort of buttoned down on the lone wolf and cub shit. So I had this idea for a book called Tuskers. 
which is about these mammoth tusk diggers in Siberia. Uh, it would be an or, uh, like kind of an adopted son, the father, and then the actual son, who's sort of a bitter bitch about everything, um, who eventually find a tusk that's so big, that's going to net them so much money, that the real son, the bitter bitch, kills the father, tries to kill the hero, and then escapes with the tusk. I, um, I've retconned, or not retconned, but I've repurposed that for the beginning of Run and Trash. So this is like where we find our hero initially. He's uh, completely content with being a part of this team. So they're kind of split into three. His brother, the actual son, is like the pack mule. He carries all the shit. The dad is the explorer, discoverer, archaeologist type guy who can actually find the tusks and then he is good with a sword so whenever the demon pops out his job has always been to like dispatch the demon um the way that it opens is that of course you have to do this every time you can't have him meet a demon that he kills easily because that would be stupid it's the just dark like, souls yeah so this tusk that they remove reveals a de like a, a powerful demon that they haven't seen before he gets sucked into a vortex of hell and he passes the test but emerges from it different like kind of with demon powers right he gets home and then the reader finds out that he's got a girlfriend who's who's very pregnant they've decided to keep the baby uh, we kind of live life with them in the village for a while. I'll probably send him out on like maybe two chapters more worth of adventures with this crew. And then that's when that betrayal happens. The son kills the father, tries to kill him. He chases him through uh, the snow and ice. I might go three chapters with that. Just a real kind of like revenant ice cold yeah, yeah. chaser, you know? See, this um, is what we can do with our style. Like, that's good utilization of, like, we've had, um, I'm sure we've had these conversations on air way back where it's like, how do we write a large novel? Like, I've literally written novels within 10,000 words. Right. How do we make shit longer? It's like, pack it in. Yeah. So you could, like, yeah, have the revenant. But within three chapters, yeah. you could easily do that. Yeah. So now we're at like chapter five. He gets it back, <clears throat> brings it back to town. It is a very valuable uh, uh, kind of tusk, right? So he brings it back um, and he finds that his whole village while he was gone was in flames, right? So he was out pursuing his revenge he got it, comes back and realizes that his distraction, right, chasing the brother down, made it so that he wasn't there when something came through and just like raised that village down. But he finds, of course, in the ashes, his son. This is where the lone wolf and cub aspect comes in, right? The baby has survived. And so he picks up the baby, takes the tusk, and starts heading out. And the first people that he meets are a group of 
kind of uh, husk brokers who are Ronin kind of everything is Japanese coded in this, right? Like oh, I'm reading yeah. a book right now called the will of the many where everything's like Roman coded where people are named Viz Telemus and uh, uh, Quintus Marcus Telemius and, and shit like that. This is like that. It's basically white people, but everything's like Japanese coded, right? Um, I still want to do something with my Samurai Jesus shit where it was like in the city of Hikikomori with all these wiggers mm -hmm. named like mm -hmm. Kosuke. And <laughs> That's what this is basically. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, Kelby and I are writing Samurai Jesus and Ronin Trash at the same time. A lot of these ideas basically collided. And so he's got the baby. He's got the tusk. He comes upon this band of, of, of salesmen who are very interested in the tusk that he has uh, a few of them try to, you know, put him in his place. He's not having it. And he becomes a, a sort of like a second in command to this like powerful Yakuza force, right? Like his main trade is selling tusks, but he's also into some other gangster shit. So the rest of that novel is going to be like, how does a gangster raise a baby and then my plan for book two is that uh the the gang ends up getting eliminated so he's a ronin and he's he's not in the north anymore they've moved more to you know not tropical climates but you know something that looks suspiciously like oklahoma <laughs> and so now he's just a dude who drinks a lot of beer and has like a toddler and he's really good with a sword and then from there, I have to find out how to send him on a quest because eventually I want him to kill the um, like the big bad of the world. But I have no idea how he gets there. So who's the big bad of the world? It's called the Full Metal Alchemist, and it is the embodiment of materialism in the world. I'm picturing it like a bunch of like car parts and TVs like all joined together in like this mm. robot form. It's kind of like a an big AI Tetsuo singularity kaiju. Thing. Yeah. It's a Tetsuo Kaiju. Yeah. Hell yeah. Exactly. Okay. And it doesn't matter how many books it takes to get him there, but he will get there eventually. And along the way, I want it to be that lone wolf and cub. Like he can get into adventures along the way because it's this huge badass with a, a sword called the old one who's really good at killing demons he has some kami like in him from his encounter which is what makes him so strong uh and then like a baby who's babbling at him constantly so lone wolf and cub you got to get him on the road and to get yep. him into another quest you got to have some junky neighbor get him into a you know those neighbors who are always like bro just like i'm sorry i don't usually do this but like i'm sorry to bother you but like i'm in a really desperate situation blah 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 and like if you don't these these fools are gonna like take my car if yada yada and he's like chill like it's cool i'll come help you and then whatever he goes and helps tweak your neighbor with mm -hmm. ends up being something more than what it should have been and then by the time he makes it home, nope, uh, the apartment complex just exploded or something. Right. 
Right. And that can be a constant theme throughout it is like, whenever you leave home, you burn the boats. The gods burn the boats for you. Like, yeah, oh, you left? There's... I thought you weren't using it anymore. So I blew it up. That's my it. bad. A recurring yeah. thing of like every time it's like, all right, fine. And you go off, you come, ain't shit, ain't shit gonna be there when you get back. Oh, I just had a crazy thought for book one, though. <clears throat> so his village is burned to the ground, his wife is dead, and he has this little baby, and he gets taken in by these tusk hunters. But what if, like, he finds out? that the leader of the Tusk Hunters, like that group that he's in, like his brothers that he's like sort of kind of gotten to know, they were responsible for the village burning down. Like they let him know. They're like, oh yeah, man, we rolled through there. We tore that shit up. So like, what if how he becomes a Ronin is that he actually like, like that's the end of the book. Is he just like goes through each one of them. And as as the book goes on before he knows this, we learn about all of their different powers and and then the end of the book is just like one after the other like fight scene after fight scene after fight scene until the end yo yeah like enter the dragon type shit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're in like a, yeah they're in yeah exactly it's like enter the dragon or like dread they're in like or the raid they're in a high rise and he's just like yeah we'll have to have a character involved that can take care of the baby like I'll watch him go do what you must do. He like, yeah, some old ugly bitch. Yeah, the third act, the last hundred and fifty pages are just like slaughter of this group. That would go hard, I think. That goes so hard. Mm -hmm. So there's book one. There's book one. Like, <laughs> solved. Solved. <laughs> I like this recurring. I love the going back thing too, because then you can fuck with that once you establish that this is a thing. Mm-hmm then you can have like book four he leaves he doesn't even try to go back mm -hmm. so he's like, like yeah no and somebody's like you're just gonna like fucking ditch your home and everything and he's like ain't shit gonna be there no it's like you can go back if you want and then they skitter off and then like three days later they come back it's like it's all it fucking blew up he's like mm -hmm. yeah yeah, because anytime That's I choose to move, like the gods burn my boats. That's wild. So I guess that's it. I guess we solved it. I guess we saw. Yeah, now you know. Now what I know doing. what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> I le legitimately going into this didn't know what I was going to do, but again, when it comes to storytelling, guy, like it's all right there. And it's all really simple. If you have writer's block and you don't know what to do, just talk to somebody. And then you'll be like, oh, right, I should just do this thing that's existed for hundreds and thousands of years. You know, like this story structure that's always been there. Yeah. I just had to I feel talk like, about it. I feel like people, including me, I misinterpreted all the time when people would say there's only seven ways to tell a story. I'd be like, Psh, bitch, mm -hmm. you ain't seen my stories yet. But it's mm -hmm. like they're not talking about a voice or like how to tell it or like the little details or the funny quirks or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Like they're just talking about no the store. Like there's like seven the superstructure. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. There's not more. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's it. You just do that thing, and then you have fun filling in the details. But uh, yeah, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. <laughs>